Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Life and Sport podcast. And I'm joined by a very special guest. And I'm just going to list his accolades because there's there's so many of them before I mention his name. Um, he refereed 565 NRL games in total, 365 as the main referee, 200 as touch judge, three NRL grand finals, four state of origins, 12 international matches. I may have got that wrong. That was including a World Cup in 2017 and a Four Nations. And also one of the only Super League games of the modern Super League that was played in Australia. His name is Matt. I'm probably going to butcher the way I, the way it said check in. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome. So let's get started. Your grassroots, um, from what I could divulge and could find out, your dad played reserve grade for Newtown. Uh, what yep. was it like growing up around the Newtown Rugby League sort of scene? I suppose by the time I could remember things, uh, I, I don't remember ever meeting anyone within that scene. All I could remember was dad rabbiting on about it all the time. <laughs> yep. uh, and, you know, he made reserve grade and you, you would have thought he would have represented the state and the country the way he used to go on about it. Very, very <laughs> proud uh, player. But back then, you know, he was given a choice by my grandfather. You either uh, play rugby league or you um, raise your children and your family. There's no doing both because it wasn't professional. and It wasn't a lucrative got, job yeah, at the time. And if you got hurt, you couldn't support your family and, mm. and, and that type of thing. So, so dad opted on, uh, on raising the family. That's fair enough. And obviously rugby league was definitely a staple of your childhood, regardless of your dad playing or not, because he's a massive rugby league fan, etc. So what was that like growing up and what team did you support growing up? I went to Holy Cross College in Ryde, uh, mm-hmm. which was a pretty big rugby league school. Uh, the, and started referring with the Balmain district rugby league side and, uh, was a, a passionate Tigers supporter. Balmain um, Tigers, okay. Yep, yep. So I remember as a kid sliding down the, the back of the hill now that's full of fig trees uh, yep. on a cardboard box and, you know, just just loving loving that era, uh, talking about Elias Siren, um, Gary Jack, uh, you know, Scotty Gale. Scotty Gale was my maths teacher at wow. Holy Cross, yeah. So um, that's where... Um, you know, it, it was a real passion. I, I still remember things like Panasonic Cup, you know, yep. the midweek comp and all that type of thing. Um, wasn't the best uh, rugby league player, played okay. soccer. I was going to uh, say, did you play? I was, was going to ask you, yeah, did you play yeah. rugby league? No, I was, um, you, you normally had the two popular boys in the class as captains and they'd pick their own sides and I was always the kid left over. So, uh, um, my PE teacher was Ronnie Palmer. Don't oh, know wow. if you know the name, but yeah. I, I've heard of the name, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, still a trainer. I'm not sure who he's with now, but uh, he, I remember him throwing me the whistle and said, uh, Chet, you uh, didn't make either side so you can referee it. And this yeah, is okay. a 12-year-old boy um, and did it and loved it. Uh, then when I got my ticket uh, the next week at Right Eastwood Lease Club, that's where you went. Um, I failed my rules test, but it didn't matter. I still got my referee's ticket. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Many would say I never really learned the rules, but uh, yeah. Oh, um, I, I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, so that's that was as a, a 12-year-old and um, and become obsessed with it. You know, I took uh, up Obsessed the with the game or obsessed with refereeing? Probably obsessed with refereeing to the okay. point where I took up the um, the local newspaper round so I could sell papers of a Sunday morning so I could practice my whistle. Um, oh, wow, okay. That's like, would stand in front of the telly and and watch referees like Stone and Roberts and McCallum and, you know, uh, drive the neighbours absolutely batty. Um, <laughs> and, and it wasn't a profession back then. All the refs, no, that's true. Uh, you know, had, had jobs. Most of them were school teachers or police uh, officers. So. Yep. 
Um, very, very, very fortunate that as my career progressed, so did the actual profession itself. Um, Absolutely. Um, and how did that progression go for you? Obviously, you start with districts and whatnot, and you're mm-hmm. refereed in the Ron Massey Cup or the Metro Cup back then. Uh, you know, how was the, you know, you could say rise through the ranks for you? It was a bit tricky for me because I, I refereed in Balmain until the age of 14. Mum mm-hmm. and dad uh, split up, so my mum, my sister and I moved to Perth. So I went from oh, refereeing. Wow. Yeah, I went from refereeing under 14s to reserve grade in Perth. And AFL dominated as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But the, but I was fortunate, again, I was lucky that the comp was really strong in Perth because we're talking about the two years before the uh, Western Reds were in the competition. Yeah, um, okay, so there would have been a lot of build. A lot of focus, a lot of coaching. Um, an ex-first grade referee called Barry Barnes was sent over there full-time basically just to get the referees up to standard to yep. improve the local comp there because mm-hmm. you know it, it, it goes hand in hand you know if, if you've got a poor refereeing standard it can often draw the competition down so they Absolutely. wanted they, they focused that you know that had to get raised um and then you know 1994 i think it was the western reds were in and i yep. was uh, doing the reserve grade lines and back then there was no video referee so i did the, be the first grade um video in goal referee um, so you'd run up and down in the end goal and make decisions. Well, I, I did a whole season and I only had to make one decision. It was for a referee called Eddie Ward and that was mm-hmm. on a double movement. And uh, so in the one decision I had to make all year, I got it wrong. So Oh, okay. <laughs> is, 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 that, is that in hindsight, isn't it? You've gone and watched the footage back since sort of thing? Uh, yeah, but it kind of it kind of the sport wasn't as, as um, clinical. Seriously taken over there, yeah. maybe? It was, it's just, it was part of the game. It was, you yeah. got on with it. Um, you know, the, the technology was just starting to come along where we had freeze frames and things like that. So there wasn't yeah. a, a stack of expectation for perfection. Yeah. Um, so, like there is so, now, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and, and it was a good lesson to learn, actually. It was one that, you know, you can make mistakes and still be a good official. It's yeah. not, it's, you know, it's a component of what you do. It's not the end of the world. Absolutely. Um, no. And in 2001, you got your NRL refereeing debut, mm-hmm. which was against not not necessarily your beloved Tigers because it was West's Tigers by this point, uh, but you got your NRL debut refereeing for the, against the, the Tigers versus Cowboys game. Can you yep. talk us about that game and, you know, the week leading up to it sort of thing? Yeah, it was it was towards the end of the competition. Uh, I had had a very brief taste about five weeks before. I was a, t- a touch judge in New Zealand. Uh, the referee got injured at half time, and I got thrown into referee the second half of that game. And it went down to the wire. Um, sent a decision up to the video referee, and back then they had a green light, a red light, and a yellow light. And the yep. video referee sent back a yellow light, saying he couldn't tell. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, I ended up uh, awarding the the try to to the Warriors and with the, um, yeah. so the yellow light back then was the equivalent of like stick with the referees on field call sort of thing. No, because back then we didn't give a call, so we oh, just okay. all we all we did was we're yeah. going up. Um, please review this this possible try, and it was either yeah. red green. There was no try or no try. There was yeah. no so it was send it up and um, they're having a look at a heap of replays and there was just no vision of the ball. Uh, It was one of those held up ones and uh, it comes back with a yellow light. So um, so I I just thought, well, I'll lean on the rule book here and it says Bennett for the doubt goes to try scoring side. So I I did that and um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. And then obviously, (laughs) sorry, that um, later in that season, you got your debut against the, for the Tigers versus the Cowboys. What was that like? Uh, it was it was incredible. It was a a night game. Um, there was only about two thousand people there because it was 
bucketing down with rain. Um, wow, baptism of it, fire. It, yeah, it was what they used to call ladies' round back then. So I okay. come out to it's raining men, and and I, I then was horrified, thinking, "Oh God, here I was thinking that no one knew about me being gay." Oh wow, okay. It. <laughs> it's <laughs> raining men, so uh, I did the game, and it was amazing. Um, I've always been very big on celebrating achievements, mm. even as a ref. So one game is one a, game that more than I've refed in the NRL, sort of thing. Yeah. It's a definitely big achievement. Uh, and, and especially from a lifelong dream perspective. Um, mm. yeah, I remember booking a room at one of the local pubs in Roselle afterwards and a heap of family and friends that had supported me along the way back then. We just, we had a big night afterwards and, and enjoyed it. Um, however, the next the next week I called a meeting with um, the head of referees and said, yep. look, I've got something to tell you. Yep. I've kept it totally confidential because I didn't want to be um, discriminated against, nor yep. did I want to be the token gay referee that, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, um, but I'm gay. So um, he and was totally fine in, with I, it. I was going to say back in 01, that would have been, it's, it's such a touchy subject nowadays in, in rugby league, let alone back then. So yeah, yeah it was received well with, with that board? Well, it was received well with that board. Um, to to their credit, I, I wanted it kept quiet for no other reason is that I, I had a son who was in high school. Okay, yeah. Um, he, he knew that I was gay. He was totally fine with it. I just wasn't sure how um, how it would be received by them. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to always be mindful of, of the impact on him um, course, and, yep. uh, and things like that. So it was, it was pretty much kept... When it was I say very well quiet, on the wraps. Yeah, it looked that if I fast forward then to 2012 when I did come out, by then all the referee squad knew. The people uh, who, who needed to know knew. Yeah, by that point. basically. Yeah. Um, but, but it was important for me to, I suppose, share my story because, um, you know, the, Ian Roberts' book was was very important to me. Um, Absolutely. Because I didn't, I honestly didn't associate with being gay because I had no exposure to gay people i thought to mm. be gay you had to be and this is very naive of me but i had you had to be flamboyant or or girly or and and i didn't not, do not a not a macho rugby league loving bloke yeah um yeah well, i wouldn't go that far sorry <laughs> <laughs> and um and yeah just reading that book that you know gave me a, a tremendous amount of i suppose uh, belonging of, of where I fit. Um, so uh, when I could take the opportunity, my, my son uh, had left school by then. Um, I, I did it that very next year and uh, it was really, really well received. Uh, front and back page of the paper for maybe two days and then yep. that, that was it. I had two yeah. comments on the field by players after that. Both of them were positive. I was going to say, geez, don't tell me they were negative. <laughs> no, no, no. But it, it, it's funny. I, I never got that, but that That's- was... Good Probably though. my biggest fear in thinking, how am I going to handle that? Because yeah. I've got a microphone, um, you know, and, and thankfully, touch wood, uh, and, and a credit to the game, um, I, I never even felt close to being, being in that situation. That's sure. amazing. You know, did, did players say things that they shouldn't have to me? Yes. Uh, but it was always around me making a start up or a decision that they didn't yes. agree with. Yes. And I think that's what surprised me um, the most about you know, the, the manly players. Last I was going to say, I'd love to bring that mm. up. And that just made me think of the manly players thing this mm. year. There's probably other players, not just manly in other teams that may be, you know, citing religious reasons and whatnot. So um, yeah. What were your thoughts and how did it impact you personally? 
Just, just shock because um, I'd, I'd refereed some of these players. Um, I had, you know, you can tell there have been players along the way that, that there's a personality clash or there's something that you, you just don't click with them. Um, so, and and that's life with everything. Um, but with with these people, um, never had an issue with me. I never had an issue with them. Uh, would shake their hand. Would you know that was and and that's why uh, I was. You know, well, I'm excited a bit. Oh, extremely. Um, and 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 that's why if, if I ever get the opportunity, if I'm ever back involved with the game, I'd, you know, I'd I'd value nothing more than sitting down with some of those players in a in a private room just to have a discussion. Yeah. Uh, and and it's not about telling them anything. It's about listening. It's about understanding. Uh, because it's, you know, I. I I don't understand everything about being gay, and and nor do they understand, I suppose, everything about their religion. But but through but both of us having sort of improved knowledge of what each other's going through, I, I can only think it would help. Um, you know, it's it's. I think it's really wrong of people to put labels on them or put them yeah. down for different things. But you know, I, like I said, I, I just value the opportunity to talk to them, just to give them a greater understanding on you know what impact their actions have on people around them. Um, Absolutely. You know, whether we like it or not, uh, first grade rugby league players or anyone involved in the sport are role models. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, people really do put them on a pedestal. Should they, shouldn't they is a debate for another the ages, day. Yeah. But, but it happens. You know, I, I remember having a conversation with my son once about, about drugs um, where there was a rugby league player that was, you know, found to abuse them and, you know, the comment to me from my young son at the time was, Dad, they can't be that bad for you because, you know, we've got one of our great rugby league players that have, you know, and I went, wow, you know, they do have an impact on and, and yeah. they shape the way society thinks and feels. So, so yeah, it's um, it, it shock and surprise was the thing. There was certainly no hatred. There was certainly mm-hmm. no dislike. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I just, I just felt for everyone involved. Mm. Now that's, Fair enough. It's a very interesting insight from that. And a random topic I know that's just come out of it, but what son, what team does your son follow? Newcastle Knights. Newcastle Knights. Okay. That's no, that wasn't me basing it off off to find out which player it was. I was just trying to figure out, you know, like like which like cause you're cause you're a Balmain Tigers fan, like from days days ago, and he's yeah. a Knights fan. Do we know like why does he follow the Knights? Do you know? No idea. No idea. No idea. <laughs> no, no, knowing him probably because he liked the colour combo. Um, yep. So, uh, yeah, he's always been a night supporter. So That's fair yeah, enough. Yeah. And who was your biggest influence during your junior refereeing time or career, you could say? Um, it, different people at different stages. There was a, a chap called Phil McMahon who was the director of referees in the Balmain District mm-hmm. back in 1986. Um, and believe it or not, he's still heavily involved with coaching wow. referees in Balmain. You know, he's one of these people that have never been paid for what they do and, you know, get up every Sunday morning and then spend all week doing appointments and changing them when people can't turn up and dealing with forfeits and bad weather and all that type of thing. And, you know, angry 13-year-old young referees when they missed out on the under-8s grand final in 1987 when they thought they should have. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's you know, um, and then uh, probably after that, Barry Barnes, who was an ex-first grade referee, who was sent to Perth. Right over in he, WA, yep. Yeah, so that was like two years of one-on-one video analysis, um, you know, getting games over there in the first grade comp and, and being put in the hot water early to be tested. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I suppose Bill Harrigan 
you know, was someone I admired so much as a referee. And then to compete with him for a tiny bit. Um, and then, you know, he was the first refs coach to um, to give me my first grand final in 2011. And uh, was, what uh, was that like? Yeah, the 2011 grand final was the first one you refereed. And yeah, how was it for you that whole week? Yeah, the, uh, it's it's funny. I didn't know it then, but I know it now. Mm. Um, the grand final itself was okay, yep. but it was the semi-final series beforehand. That's, you just get amazing games of football because yeah. when you go to a semi, semi-final, um, any of those games, you got the crowds supporting either side. You know, it's... It's just the intensity is fantastic. You go to a grand final and it's more about the event and a big chunk yeah. of the crowd aren't there to follow either side. They're there for the event itself. Yeah. So it can kind of detract a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I've done three grand finals in the middle, uh, one on the line. Um, the one on the line, the Tigers-Cowboys one in 05 was amazing wow. because it was, it was a great game of footy. Um, that, and, that gives and, me goosebumps. That that grand final goes down yeah, as one of the best. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, and then the other good one I did in the middle, which was the Sharks Storm grand final, where wow. the, um, in sixteen, um, and that right. was it, it, it. Went down to the literal final siren. Oh, it did. Like it, I remember, I actually went into the goal just expecting Melbourne Storm to score. Oh wow! I did. I just thought. You could just see it coming. Uh, they've done it a heap of times before. Yep. And and when it didn't happen, the siren went. I looked at Benny Cummins and he looked at me, gave me that typical Ben Cummins look, I suppose. Yep. And uh, and we called full time. And um, yeah, it was uh, it was a, a great game as well. That's amazing. And obviously, you've had a lot of opportunities in like from rugby league, such as World Cups. You know, yep. being able to referee that, being able to referee a Super League game. How did the standard of the Super League game differ to the NRL? Look, for me, it was just different. It wasn't better or worse. You often get, you know, comments about our oh, referees here are much better than the ones in the UK or that standard of football is better or worse. It's just different. Mm. It's, it's a different footy. Um, and I think you can draw, like me, this year I've, probably only watched three or four games one mm-hmm. of them was the um the women's state of origin match yep. fantastic yep. i probably enjoyed it as a sporting spectacle better than the grand final and better than i think it was origin too yep. um it, it was there was just something about the simplicity of the football that still had the passion yeah that we, you know it was just it was fantastic it was so, it was simple footy but yeah. effective, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Less tactical stuff, less, less, you know. So, yeah. Honestly, just run it through the middle, try and crash through them, and if you can't, take it out wide. Yeah, and and, yeah. and, and that's why I, I enjoyed doing a lot of the test matches I did, which were, you know, um, you, you, uh, PNG and Samoa or, um, you know, Tonga and Samoa because it was just brutal, basic footy, um, and it was – incredibly skillful but lacked a lot of that technical yep. aspect that you get now with the you know with either the wrestle or the holding them up and dancing yep. and you know all that technical stuff that that's come into our game through you know really really clever coaches and stuff like that so um absolutely so, yeah. and and speaking of you know coaches and and players on the field who was like the toughest player individually if you can remember to referee because i've interviewed a few former refs gavin badger in particular said michael ennis was the smartest player he's ever refereed um so you could say smartest or you could say um most annoying whatever you want to say who was the toughest player to referee uh 
a few tricky players. The, mm-hmm. the Walker brothers were tricky when they were playing. Yep. Um, the Morris brothers sucked me in once, but they started to have a blue, and I ran over there, whistle in my mouth, you know, thinking I was going to – and then I got there, and they were winking at each other. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I refereed people like Gordon Tallis. He was captain of, of Brisbane one, one game. I'd seen Ben Alfie Langer. Oh. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I simbined him and, and Gordon comes up and says, Chech, can I ask what the simbin was for? And I said, yeah, he, he called me an expletive Dumbo. Yeah. He goes, oh, I know what Dumbo mean, but what's expletive? You know what I mean? That's the type of guy he was. He was yep, just, gotcha. he was always, you know, Chech, I need to have a word and he'd slow the game down. And back then we had to call time out when the captain yeah. wanted to talk to you. And, uh, and I said, yes, mate, what can I do for you? He goes, look, how old are you? I said, oh, this is on telly, you can't. Yeah, I said, oh, 28, 29. He goes, I've noticed you're going grey. If you oh. speak, he goes, if you speak to Harrigan, not only does he perm his hair, because remember, Bill Harrigan used to have the long hair back then. He yeah, said, he I think he colours it as well. And this is all on TV. And yeah, well, commentators are loving it. I'm feeling like an idiot going, oh my God, what am I going to do now? How do I start this game? Yep. And you just, with people like Gordon, you just have a wink and a nod to him and, and he's happy. Yep. Um, you start waving your finger at him and trying to <laughs> lay the law down. Uh, yeah. Uh, he wins every time, so uh, <laughs> so yeah. No, that's fair. So so Gordon Tallis would be the the trickiest, you would yeah. say. Yeah, but probably uh, got on with Gordon as well, if not better than most referees. Um, yeah. You know, he, well, I mean, I, we definitely know how he went with Bill. <laughs> but and you know what? Um, I think now and even back then they were quite close friends. Oh, they have um, such a big respect for each other. Yeah. I've had the the honor of interviewing Bill him, himself, and he also mentioned the that they are very well respected as in him and like between each other yeah sort of oh, look and i think i think and there's absolutely no excuse for what gordon called him but no. if you saw the two stuff ups that bill made just before that you can understand why you can understand uh, why a player would be getting yeah. a bit yeah. how you going yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes no absolutely um and at what point did you decide to try and make it as like a top grade referee? Because as you said, you, you got your paper out and whatnot. But at what point were you like, right, I can really, you know, make something of myself with this? I think it was just before the uh, the, the war, the Super League ARL war. Yep. Um, you know, there was um, the money from referees went from, you know, a five grand a year type sign on fee and a match payment. And if you got dropped or, or injured, you never got your match payment to okay, Super League will pluck the top five referees and we'll, you know, we'll give them a very, very good wage and, you know, you'll basically train a couple of days a week and you'll spend two days with your family and then you'll travel with footy. Yep. Uh, it really was the start of professional refereeing. Um, and as someone just outside of it, I was involved, but on the on the sidelines and, you know, a couple of ranks down, um, I thought, yeah, I want to have a crack at this. So I did the... I did the local grand final in Perth in 1993 or 94, I think it was. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I had Steve Clark come over and watch me from Super League. Um, however, it wasn't my best game. Uh, I didn't referee well at all. And, oh. and Clark, he comes down and says, mate, we're full. So um, I then, because I was already contracted to the RL, I, I packed up the next year and moved to Sydney. Um, wow. And then I went into Metro Cup and that's where I stayed for five years. Um, Slugging away I, in Metro Cup to with at what point during the metro cup time did sort of the opportunities start you know lingering of you might get an nrl gig sort of thing oh the longer i stayed there the less i thought i'd ever get it oh wow um, yeah so there was the referees internally 
had a lot of yuck sort of blood between those that went to Super League and then those that went to ARL. And and I, yeah. I think the referees took longer internally to get over it than what the rest of the game did. So um, the refs coach at the time was um, basically trying to make a lot of changes within refereeing. And he took me from reserve grade Metro Cup to first grade in wow. a week. Wow. So I didn't, go, I didn't go reserve grade, first grade. Uh, yeah. Under twenty ones reserve grade, he just said no. I'm, I'm, you know, and he and he grabbed several other referees and did that with one of them was Shane Hayne as well. He had a yep. massive career afterwards. Um, uh, yeah, so it's um, it, it you know I was given opportunities. Uh, I made plenty of stuff ups, but I also tried to make the most of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and a lot of those opportunities, we, you know, as you said, and we mentioned grand finals, World Cups, and that brings me to the topic of the recent World Cup that just happened. Uh, did mm. you watch much of it? And what, what are your thoughts on the officiating of it and in general, the whole, you could say, spectacle of it? Look, personally, it's the only time this year where I got a little feeling in my gut going, oh, I wish I was doing it. Oh, really? So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because I, you know how people now take photos of their boarding passes and passports when they're yep. in lounges of airports and they're about to take off. A few of the refs did that. And I just yeah. went, oh, I'd love to be doing that because some of the best memories I've ever had on and off the field have been in, you know, overseas doing tournaments. Um, Four Nations in 2011 was fantastic. It was six weeks in the north of England. It was just brilliant. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, I had the pleasure of refereeing. I was the first, back then, I was the first. Um, non, um, I was an Australian referee, basically, and I refereed Australia and England in the final. Now, it was the first time they'd done that in years. They normally yeah. always used to use a neutral ref. Yeah, absolutely. Because that years. brings up, sorry to interrupt, but that was yeah. a very big hot topic for Ashley Klein being the um, referee for the final this year. Um, can yeah. you explain that that ruling change, for lack of a better term, as to why it's no longer that you no longer need a neutral nation referee? Well, you know, Having that in implies that the referee is not mm. neutral. Every yes. referee needs to be neutral. Absolutely. And, mate, I, I was a Tiger supporter. I really was. Yeah. Uh, you ask any Tiger supporter if they thought I stuffed up or got decisions right any more or less than Gavin Badger or Ashley Klein or anyone else, and they'll say, oh, he's, he's just as bad as everyone else. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? So, And that's why I think as a referees panel, we fought very hard to say, the best referee should referee the best two sides. Whoever yep. the whoever the governing body is or whoever the person is in control of the referee, they shouldn't have to go and pick their third or fourth best official to put them into the pinnacle of our sport. Yeah, um, you should have the best refereeing the best. Yes. Yeah, you should. Um, and, um, you know, I was fortunate in that tournament um, that, that I was selected to do that and, you know, to... To, to referee Lockyer's last game in in Australia and also England was yeah. was a, a privilege that you know I still think of because he was you know he was one of those very few players that you just you know he, you just admired everything about him. Um, what was he like yeah. to control or you know referee on the field? Because he's an, an idol of mine growing up being a Broncos and a Queensland fan. He was he, he just very smart, very fair, very balanced. When when he ran past you or you ran past him and says, "Chet, you got that wrong." you knew that you'd 100% got that wrong. He wasn't oh, wow. playing my games with you. He yep. wasn't trying to, you know, and if he ran past you and says, check, check that, I would because wow. I respected, like, he, he, he'd never... He, he didn't try and get the way of the Broncos no, win. It was... No. Okay. No. That's, and that's he was hear. always respectful in how he did it. He, you know, um, the, the, uh, I suppose respect was just incredible. Um, mm. 
you know, Cameron Smith, mate, I know a lot of people take the, the mickey out of him for the time that, that he gave referees or the referees gave him time, but he was just very clever in how he did it. Yeah. Um, he wouldn't come up effing this and you're effing kidding and we're not no. getting a fair go. He'd go, Chech, mate, I agree with that penalty you just gave against us. I'll go and have a chat to him. But, mate, keep an eye on number six because he, he gets into tackles and his right arm gets caught all the time and we think he's trying to slow it down, but just keep an eye on it for me. Yeah. So my head's going... Number six. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? He's right. And, and what yeah. you felt like doing was, look, let's go and order a couple of copies. And <laughs> can you explain more about what you're seeing? Because yeah. I'm just not doing it. Uh, yeah. So he, he was he was he was always really respectful when he did it. Um, you know, I had a, a stack of respect for him um, as a player as well. That's awesome. Um, and obviously, the World Cup, Australia beat Samoa in the mm-hmm. in the World Cup final. Did you end up watching that game? No, I didn't. I didn't watch it. Uh, time difference and uh, coverage has been pretty sketchy with us on yep. the roads. And we've yep. been in a caravan for the last sort of ten months. And I was um, going to say, how's the retirement transition going? Tell us, yeah. talk to us about the retirement and all that. Yeah, really good. Uh, I won't get up and show you from the chest down because there's a bit more there than what there was to start with. <laughs> uh, no, I made. I've loved it. Um, we tried something new. Um, we were coming back actually from a game in Canberra a couple of years ago and past a caravan and I just said out loud to my partner wouldn't that be fun um and he goes well what stops us from doing it yeah. you know we we know we don't want to live in Sydney forever um why don't we get a caravan and check out the rest of Australia and and, and then settle somewhere live next and and we'd never towed anything in our life before and then <laughs> yeah. and, and then we we took off on the 10th of January this year we've done nearly 50,000 k's where's been um, your favorite favorite top five places that you visited so far oh Mate, I loved um, I loved up around um, Foster, either side of Foster. You've got Redhead or Blackhead. You've got yep. Diamond Beach. Uh, Bluey's Beach around that area is nice. Um, you go further up um, around Coffs Harbour is nice. Safety yep. Bay, Diamond Beach, um, Crescent Head. There's That's just so many, Head. you know, um, some inland places. Um, um, Mullumbimby is really nice. Yep. Uh, you know, it's just... It, Look, I think we'll live in the eastern seaboard uh, because it's just a lot easier and there's so many things that are close to it. Um, yep. in, inland from Byron's really nice. Um, it's just, you know, the problem we have for someone that used to make decisions for a living. It's uh, hard to make when, a decision. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we'll walk into a house going, yeah, this will do. And we've walked into about 20 homes like that. So, uh, And yep. we're really fortunate. You know, um, my son gets married at the end of this year. Oh, awesome. Uh, so, Yep, so we'll go to Adelaide for that and then we'll, you know, we'll head back across and, and do are some Are you going to go down walking. with the caravan down to Adelaide or? Yeah, yeah, we are. We, we're, we're here for uh, another week at the in-laws place and uh, my partner's doing a show here. And then we'll head off and do the Air Peninsula and then do Adelaide and then and then come back across. Wow. Definitely been a full-on retirement, but uh, hopefully a, a, a relaxing retirement yeah, it so was, it's a it's a cleansing one you know yeah. like, like a lot of people have said did you watch footy last night and you you chat to a lot of people in caravan parks and campsites about you know did you watch last night's game and and yeah, i think they're genuinely no. surprised <laughs> I, I went no and and there's no it's not because i was bitter and twisted i just i just needed a break and yeah and sure enough the, the well, limited your footy. life for the last 20 plus years you definitely yeah. would need a break oh look at you talk to airline pilots and and all those guys had a real passion for flying and that passion changed into a job. And when it changes into a job, you know, when you're doing it day in and day out, you can lose some of that respect for it. And um, I think I think I left, I couldn't have left at a better time. You know, yeah. I was still fairly well respected. 
Um, I wasn't getting the top games anymore and I knew that, you know, there was probably only one direction for me to go and it was important that I, 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 if I left the game a season or two too early and it meant leaving the game in high regard, then I was happy with that. Yeah. Um, I just didn't want to hang on for too long because I was, I was desperate of, of wanting to hold on to it. Um, yeah, like so, leaving on your terms sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and because of that, I think, you know, if, if I ever wanted to come back into the game in, in some way, shape or form, I think, you know, I, I spoke to Andrew Abdo at a, a conference a little while ago, about three weeks ago. He goes, Chech, where have you bought? Where are you staying? You know, what what are you going to do with this? And I said, I haven't decided yet, mate, but when I do, I'll, I'll definitely let you know. So, um, so yeah. No, that's that's awesome to hear. Um, I've got a few final questions and quick fire questions to round it out, but I have one more question before that. Um, and it was what obviously you've refereed during when there was one referee, and then when there yep. was two, and then back when back to one referee again. Um, first of all, what was the switches and changes like with that? And who did you love refereeing in the middle with? Ah, okay, good. The the second part of the question I haven't had before. Mm. The changes were quite incredible. So I was dead against it before it came in. As in, uh, as thought, in re- renewing the one ref? No, we're going to two refs. Oh, okay. I thought there's no way that no one, like that we just, we're all too different. There's no way we're going to, you know, have the same feel for the game and things like that. Um, but, you know, it's just when it come in and what it gave me the opportunity to do was either hide for a little bit if I'm not having a good game. Yep. So if I'm, if I'm making a dusty call, I can go, okay, I'm going to go into the pocket. You're going to referee the game for a bit. I'm still yep. here if you need me, but let me get my head on and then I'll come back in. Yep. Um, or if I'm refereeing with you and you're a junior burger and you haven't refereed before, and if the game's 18-all, you're just staying in the pocket. Yeah. But if it's 40 nil, there's the whistle. I'm going to go in the pocket and go to town. And yep. if you make three or four bad mistakes, it doesn't matter because it's 40 nil and no one's going to care. Yeah. So there was there was – that flexibility with officiating that was great. And the other good thing about it is, mate, we don't see 30% no. of the play. And when you've got so many players in tackles now, probably more than you ever have, you're making a lot of guesses. And yeah. the, the accuracy just isn't there the way it was. Now, when we had two refs, I don't think we did it smartly. I don't think that second referee should have been in there over the rut trying to speed it up or barking at players, I think they should have stood back and just helped with the vision. Yeah. And and they also should have gone to players that were getting upset or getting frustrated and gone to them, look, Chris, mate, I've noticed you're doing this, this and this. If you try this or just be careful because, you know, if you get another warning, you might end up in the bin. Yeah. It's off camera. You know, it's discreet. It's discreet, and, and there's there was that that element that was really really lost. I think when when two referees went. So the things I hated about it, mate, was I was constantly given a lot of information. Yeah. And when you're getting that feedback from three people on the field, other people on the field, and a video referee and a match day coach, it was really easy to lose your sense of feel in a game. Yep. Um. You know, it, it's that's what I loved about going back to one ref. You know, I could feel what was happening again. You know what I mean? There was a little less noise in the head and, you know, uh, my accuracy wasn't as good, but the players were okay with that. And, yeah. and you know, if I think about the big stuff-ups I've made in my career, and there's been some clangers, like seven tackles against North Queensland in a wow. semi-final. Um, wow. Cronulla won by two points in that game and uh, North Queensland got kicked out and the year before they got dudded by the hand of God, the video referee. So they were just, it was just yuck. And I remember going to Neil Henry the next year 
um, before a game and said, mate, I, I want to apologise. And he just stopped and he said, don't you dare apologise. He said, mate, you're no different to players. Jonathan yeah. Thurston dropped the ball twice in that second half. He hasn't apolog- apologised to me. He didn't mean <laughs> to. It's just part of it's what the game. we all do. It's a, and, and if I look back at my career, the people that have taken my stuff ups the best are other players and coaches. Yeah. Yep. It's everyone else outside of the game that just doesn't understand how can this guy not count the six? You know, it, it's got to be dead easy. Um, it is, but it's not. It's not. Like, it's I, not. I, I referee very basic Oz tag, yeah. and yeah. I still catch myself trying to feel like, oh, wait, what what, what tag is it? Yeah. Is it tag for, like, it's so easy to forget or so, Mate, yeah. Cricket umpires are standing out there. They're not running around. They've yeah. got little machines in their hand, and there's two of them, and they still get it wrong. Exactly. <laughs> it's People are like, oh, that seven tackle set, or how can you not count to six? There is so much going on on the field, yeah. let alone yeah. – yeah, it's 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 so crazy to think about it. And I just before we go into the quick fire questions, want to touch on the fans and whatnot. As we spoke just before we started recording, um, social media wasn't a thing when you started as a referee, yeah. but it was definitely a thing when you finished as a referee. Um, what was it like riding that social media wave of when it started up? And then, because as you said, you'd maybe get two articles a year if you were a good or or bad ref to constant inboxes from you know on Instagram or Twitter or wherever. Yeah, and and it, look, it 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 was probably the biggest change I saw from an officiating perspective. When I first started, there were one or two articles a year yep. from either mistakes or once I had a coach knock on the door saying, "Chech, I thought you refereed well. However, this is our fourth loss in a row, um, and there's a bit of pressure from the board on my job and a few of our players. So I'm going to blame you in the press conference." And he shuts the door. And I looked at the other refs and I went, "Have you seen that before?" They went, "No." Nah. Anyway, this well, coach went to town on me in the press conference. At least and he it, didn't. At least he came to you first, I guess. Yeah, I made it, and it was it was a really good lesson to learn because, yeah. and of course, I was the worst referee in the world for three or four days, and you know we got dudded, and there was this decision and that decision, and and there was no pressure on that on that team for that week, and that's yeah. what that that they needed. Um, so I always understood and never took it personally when it did that's come good. from. Uh, players or coaches and mate you know to be honest with you when I had games where players would blow up and they'd say some yucky things every time after a game I was the first referee to start doing this I'd go and shake the captain's hand after a game because it never used to happen Um, and it was important for me to go either thanks for the game or sorry for the stuff up or mate I did my best Um, every time uh, my hand was always shaken. So, yeah, wow. so, and then you fast forward twenty odd years to now, where you've got social media and you've got hundreds and hundreds of yuck comments. Yeah, you know, uh, and and you doesn't matter who you are, and you've got the belief that these people, you know, have never played and they it means nothing. But the reality is, you're still thinking about some of those comments to this hours. day sometimes days later. So yeah. they, they do have an impact. Um, and speaking of the impact, you did mention you, you came out, not as in came out, but I mean, you came out about panic attacks, um, yeah. to, like after games and whatnot. How was that? Obviously, was, was that partly due to the messages maybe that you were receiving as in Poss- after possibly, a game or whatever? Possibly. I think it was also had a lot to do with, you know, my head was full. I'd been doing it for a long time. Um, I went from being able to referee and didn't matter how I went to sleeping well at night towards the end of my career, I'd be up at three in the morning thinking about yeah. a decision that wasn't wrong, but players didn't like and caused 
uncomfort or and and I'm just thinking and and thankfully now we have sports psychs as part yeah. of our our day-to-day coaching um and I think it's only going to grow especially with social media you know you know when we do a calf or a hammy we go to a physio and we get it treated um unfortunately with mental health we tend to not put up a hand we mm. tend to think uh, I'm soft if I've got something wrong with me or they're oh. going to think I can't referee if I'm yeah. you know if I'm you know, well, I'll be right by next match day, sort of. Yeah, thing. that's right. Let's let's suppress it all, and guys are generally very good at doing that. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so um, but you know, and I think what is really important is is your other squad members, your other referees. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a, a great current group of NRL referees, guys and girls that are just highly gifted and highly supportive of each other. Uh, we all want the big dance at the end of the year, but we all know that. It takes everyone's, you know, it's it's bizarre. We're competing with each other, but we're also one big team. That's um, it, yeah. So we want everyone to go well because our worst referee is the one that gets talked about, and that paints a picture for all referees, unfortunately. Um, Absolutely. And and as far as controversy is concerned, you know, the game's not too fussed when it's about referees because it sells newspapers. It uh, people love to talk about it, and no one's getting hurt, and it's you know, it doesn't stop kids from playing. So when it's about, you know, a, a ref stuffing up, the game will do it what it can to make referees as good as possible. But, you know, they're also, it's okay. Mm. Uh, it's it's part of the fabric of what we do. Um, so but, it's but it also, but that's when, as, as you were mentioning, it's so important now that there's sports psyches to be able to help with that because it may just be a newspaper article or an online yep. article that maybe, you know, saying oh church missed two tackles or two calls last night sort of thing but like you said it could be it could be the difference between your whole week the following week being good or bad for you mentally um but more importantly it could could also be your partner at home that Mm. that takes that or that you know your kid that goes to school and gets bullied for that you know there's a whole you know when i have had a domino effect yeah it i was okay with them because you know it's kind of it's not part of the gig and no one should ever get it, but you you understood the environment that you were getting into. Yeah. But for people like your partner or your kids or your your mum or your sister that also get death threats because of it, that's, that's not on. That's when you start to feel responsible for putting yeah. them into that situation. So so there is look, there's that there's that other sort of yucky element of it. Um, you know, that's one good thing about the game. They've 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 been serious and and I, and I only hope that things like sports psychs become more and more involved because it can only make everyone stronger. Oh, absolutely. And let's go with the last or final, you know, quick fire questions, followed off by yes. two last questions. First one is, how do you like your steak? Uh, medium rare. Very nice. Uh, Apple or Android? Apple. Very nice. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Uh, flying. Because you could go anywhere. Is, is that you why want. your name is Matt Flies? On yeah, Instagram? and not only that, most of those superheroes have their undies on the outside, which is kind of a good look as well. So, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> no, um, I've, got, I've actually got my pilot's license. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. and so, um, very, very like junior related, but yeah, love flying. So that's that's really cool. And because I've always wondered why your Instagram handle or username Matt was Matt Flies. Yeah. yeah. That, that's awesome. Um, what's your beer or drink of choice? Stone and wood. Very nice. Uh, st- any any particular one like pale ale or, or whatever? The Pacific ale. I can't yeah. afford it um, <laughs> now that I'm a you know a grey nomad. Uh, so it's it's uh, whatever's going the cheapest. But yeah, um, it's very nice. 
it's very, it is very nice. I like um, Stone and Wood, but also like uh, Bolter is my favorite go to. Yeah. It's yeah. like, like the, the mid strength one. Yes. Yes. The Captain yeah, Sensible. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're good. Like, I actually believe it or not, I just had a tour of the Bolter Brewery this past weekend. Uh, the partner yeah. got it for me for my birthday a, a week ago. So we did, we did it on Saturday and it was amazing. Um, I've been drinking it for six years. So basically since it was released really and yeah. um, favorite beer. But if I can't have that, then I'll have a stone and wood. Um, um, I've yeah. got another one to try is Green Beacon. Green it's Beacon, Brisbane, okay. Yeah, Brisbane-based brewing. Try okay. that if you can get it on tap. I think you'll really like it. Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll give that a go for sure. <laughs> What's your favourite movie of all time? Uh, Finding Nemo. Oh, okay. Why? That's such uh, a good, such an interesting answer because so many people are like, I've oh, got to go the old, you know, Shawshank Redemption, Shawshank Redemption. and all that sort of stuff. You're finding Nemo. That's awesome. Well, I can't, say sound, I can't say sound of music on a podcast like this. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> you could. No, you really could. Um, I mean, I think I like it because there's a, you know, a strong father-son element. It's about adventure. It's about friends. It's, you know, um, I love nothing more than, you know, looking after the grandkids and throwing on an animated flick because the stories behind the stories are often fantastic. Oh, I love that. I love that aspect that Disney and DreamWorks do. So absolutely agree. Yeah. And so we've got the final two questions. First of all, looking back on your career, what is your proudest achievement? Uh, Mate, I think it's something as simple as, you know, being the first ref to shake both captains' hands after a game of footy. Um, it's something subtle like that. It's something now is encouraged. I remember Todd Greenberg noticed that I did it and he said, I want all the refs to do it. Um, you know, I'm I'm really proud of that. I know yeah. it sounds silly. and You're a trendsetter, you could say. Well, it's not about a grand final or a state no. of origin and there have been some fantastic ones of those. Um, but it's, it's that, um, I suppose it's that, bridging the gap of understanding between officials and players that, yeah. you know, we, we do our best. We're human. We're sorry. Uh, we're real. Uh, that type of thing. Exactly. And, and it shows in, in my opinion, like as from a fan's point of view, a little 10 year old kid that's at the footy living and breathing and dying their team's colors and say yeah. their team gets smacked like 40 yeah. nil or something yeah. that the referee is shaking the hand of his favorite team or probably his favorite player, the player. captain's hand at the end of the yeah. game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And last question I have is, what advice do you have for any youngsters or anyone who aspires to be a professional rugby league or sports referee? Uh, not just to focus on that. You know, make sure that if all you have in your world is refereeing, every time you have a bad game, your whole world sort of turns to, to yuck. You know, make sure you have a, a strong family network, group of friends, other hobbies, um, other things you've got going at the same time. You know, if I look back of officials that I've seen coming through that had probably far more potential than me, a lot of them got burned out because of that. They, they Their attention to detail and their aptitude was fantastic. But all it was was footy. Yeah. So when, you know, stuff happens and you can't control some of the mistakes you make, uh, they didn't cope very well. Uh, you know, I've always had a strong mix of other things that I've had interest in throughout my whole career. And it helped me being distracted basically for when I did have those games that I may not have done as well as I should have been, you know, instead of sitting at home on the couch on a Tuesday with nothing to do, I'd be, you know, in at my company working and looking at spreadsheets and, you know, talking to people about their jobs and things, real things that really mattered to those people, which, you know, was a good distraction. 
That's awesome. Cause I was literally just about to ask what your distraction was for that. Cause for some players it's golf or it's, you know, gaming or yeah. whatever. So for you, it was, you, you put yourself into work, but in a different aspect. Yeah, mate. Look, I, I remember doing before a state of origin game in 2017 in Brisbane, I had to do a tender that was due that day for the company I worked with. So I spent the whole day in the hotel punching this tender out for Sydney water. Wow. Press send, had a shave, had a shower, hopped in, did the game. Uh, it was a fantastic game at Lang Park. I forget who won, but I only blew like three or four penalties in the whole game. That's amazing. And I, and I remember a journey coming up to me and says, Chet, great job, well done. What was your match preparation like? And I actually <laughs> had to lie because I thought if they knew what I'd done. <laughs> but I actually think in reflection, it was that distraction yeah. that enabled me to referee that game really well. If I would have done what I normally did, I would have laid there in my hotel room all day imagining all the consequences that could have happened in that game. Yep. Played the game 10,000 times over in your head. Yep. Yeah. So I would have gone out there, I think. And and that's one thing I never did often. And we had times where, you know, this team sort of does this. This player's renowned for doing this. Often you'd go out there and it wouldn't go to plan. So you'd have a level of expectation. So... You know, for the second half of my career, I thought anything could happen here. Yeah. You know, and, and I think you're better for it because of it. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, first of all, I want to thank you very much, or last of all, you could say, I want to thank you very much for joining me on the podcast for a chat. Um, it's been amazing to have you on the podcast. I know that when I made the post on Instagram, there's actually, a, I'm sure you know about it. There's a dedicated Instagram page for for you. It's literally Matt Chechen fans or fan base. And yep. they, they shared the post and all that. So big, big shout out to them. I'm sure that the owner of that page will be listening. Mate, the owner of that page is uh, in year 12 at the moment, Brisbane guy. Um, And if you have a look at some of the content, all right, put me aside and have a look at what he does for refereeing in general. Oh, it is amazing. He's like for a a kid that loves footy, that loves refereeing, um, he's he's fantastic at what he does. He also referees, I hope his career is is long and uh, as well. Um, Yeah, so uh, he no doubt will be listening. Absolutely. So shout out to you, mate. Um, And yeah, thank you very much, Matt, for joining me on Life and Sport podcast. Pleasure, mate. Thank you.